Welcome to the Christian Coach Podcast, where our mission is to serve coaches through conversations so they can lead like Jesus. I'm Gian Lemmy, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chad Simpson. Hey, Chad. Hey, Gian. Chad, have you ever struggled sharing the gospel with others? Oh, my goodness. That's It's always it's a huge obstacle. I really wish there was a, a great resource to help. Well, you have to wait no more, Chad. The Jesus Loves You Bowl has come over and is starting to share the gospel using the global soccer fascination that we all have. Now, the World Cup is coming up in a few years, and it's it'll be great if we could help the gospel be uh, spread through the game of soccer. That sounds great. Can you tell me more about it? Yeah. The Jesus Loves You Ball exists to equip multiplying disciples to utilize the platform of sports to share the love of Jesus. They utilize a digital resource connected through a QR code on a high-quality soccer ball that contains videos, Bible verses, and other interactive options, which make it easy to communicate the gospel in 112 languages. Partner with us in spreading the global gospel through the global game. And right now, Chad, through March 10th, they're offering 33% discount on pre-orders. And if you um, and then utilize the discount code Christ Coach Pod, which is also social media handles, for funds from your purchase to go back to supporting our podcast as well. Visit www.jesuslovesyouball.com to learn more. We just love that Jesus loves you ball, Chad. Boom. We're so excited to partner with them and the work that they're doing around the world to get the, the gospel out through sports, which is what we're all about here. Yeah. And basketballs and volleyballs are in the pipeline for coming in the, in the coming months. Coming soon. Here we go. Awesome. Chad, we're going to close February with... Corey Close. She, if you don't know who Corey Close is, I'm going to tell you, Coach. Corey Close is the head coach at UCLA women's basketball. And we, I interviewed her in the summer of 2021. Okay, so we were just coming out of a year of the pandemic. And so we did talk a little bit about that and her struggles through, through the pandemic. But, Coach, this was probably my favorite interview of all 150 that we've done um, because it was so personal and she, even though she has such a massive platform and big name, she was very vulnerable with me and she woke up six in the morning to do this interview because she was in the West coast. I was in the East coast. So, so thankful for her to taking the time and re-listening to it, Chad, I was just awestruck by her love for Jesus and her love to serve everyone that she comes in contact with. Yeah, no, and I love even her first reply on what does it mean to be a Christian coach. She she said broken, broken and vulnerable. And uh, yeah, I agree. This is this is one of your best interviews, one of my favorites that we've had. Um, there was a chemistry and a, a friendship that you guys um, just in your communication that that you guys just had fun together and um, and went went deep, getting getting to the point of tears. Um, I also, as just a, a fan of of coaches. Um, studying the game you can hear what they have to go through through some of the dings of her emails uh, throughout you know just think about the busyness of a power five coach and she's taking her time out to talk to you about christ and her relationship with god in the middle of maybe five to ten dings of emails of work that she had to get to whenever she hit end so anyways love this love this one uh corey close is a legend and um uh an awesome uh, Jesus follower. Uh, great for anybody to be copying and emulating. Yeah, just love that, Chad. And we're just want to get to this interview with Corey Close, UCLA women's basketball head coach, right now.
Coach Corey Close, what an honor to have you here on the Christian Coach Podcast. We we always start every episode with the same question, and that is, what does it mean to you to be a Christian coach? Uh, I think it. Uh, what it means to me is uh, to be broken and vulnerable and uh, on a journey uh, with the people that I get to surround myself with. And, uh, you know, I... I it's hard, you know, to be honest with you, it's hard for me to answer that question because uh, to be a Christian coach, um, I, I just don't know if I separate myself out that way. It's hard to do that. I think I'm on a journey to uh, abide in the vine, so to speak, just like, you know, um, everyone I'm around. And so um, I think it's for me, it's just uh, living today, uh, trying to live. I'm, I'm studying Colossians right now and in Christ, right? Um, trying to live in him and, and not do for him, but to live in him, to abide in the vine and to let him create the fruit that he desires. And so um, I, I just think it's not much more than that uh, to, to, uh, to um, confess that I need him every day and, uh, and that, I, I, that I'm just so thankful for the gospel and that uh, I pray, put at the top of my pretty much prayer journal every morning, three things. One is uh, help me to be an uh, uncommon transformational um, coach or kingdom, an uncommon kingdom transformational coach and help me to uh, be a fruit bearer and to become love today. And if I can do those things, um, I don't want to, I don't want to love as a doing, I want to become it. And uh, because of what God's doing from in me from the inside out, and I fall short of that every day. Um, but I don't know, that's a long answer to your short question, but it's hard for me to define because it's really I, what I want it to be. But it isn't always what I want it to be is an outpouring and overflowing of um, my own experience of what it means to be uh, saved by grace. Yeah. Well, thank you. That, that was such a great answer. I'm already taking notes. Um, <laughs> the, the, the one thing you, you talked about journaling and I'm a big journaler. Um, what kind of what what role does journaling play in your faith life as well as just your professional life as well, and and how did you develop it? Well, I developed it because I'm totally ADD, so um, I either need to be speaking out loud or I need to be writing it because if not, every bird that goes by, every everything, I'm going to be, uh, you know, a mess. Um, you know, let me start professionally. I'm sitting here at my dining room table, which has uh, turned into my home office. But, um, you know, I have a, just a bunch of journals that I carry with me everywhere. So I'm watching the NBA game last night and, uh, you know, I'm writing down ideas or things that I do. Or uh, if I'm in a, I'm having a meeting with a player, I pretty much just all our staff meetings, I just go through it so I know where to go back to. And I really dug deep into that, um, especially in the pandemic, because we were doing everything remotely. So I needed to have a central place to go back to. Um, but I try to just do the same thing. Uh, separately in the morning with my um, prayer journal. And I don't always do it. Um, I try to at least probably five days a week, try to make sure I'm doing that. But um, it's, I, I it, it really does. It's about me keeping my mind present. Um, but it's not, um, you know, I try to one day a week, try to go a little deeper and a little longer. Um, but I, um, every day, I pretty much um, I write a verse at the top that I'm trying to really meditate on. Um, and then I write 10 things I'm thankful for, 10 truths I'm 
I want to anchor my life by. It's really just praising him for the character of who he is and, and for God in my life. Then I have, um, uh, I call it my circles, um, the things I'm praying for consistently, um, uh, based on Draw the Circle by Mark Batterson about yep. prayer. And then I have a 10 things of confession and character um, that just trying to really get before God about what I want to do on the inside of my heart. So that's what I try to do. Um, and it, when I when I do that, I find I'm a whole lot better off. Um, but uh, I will admit, as it's seven fifteen this morning on the West Coast, I didn't get to all that this morning. I did. <laughs> my uh, fault. Did, I'm sorry. That's okay. But I did read. I did uh, read a little bit, and I did uh, uh, do a little bit of my devotional. But I did not finish that routine in my prayer journal. In yeah. all authenticity here. Well, I might. I might be your counterpart in uh, in the East Coast. So I have a journal, and mm-hmm. I even have. Uh, oh, come on, let me pull it up faster. If you can see prayer circles from our, oh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. So yes, um, that, that's been a very impactful book for me. Um, and the, I love the 40 day journal by Mark Batterson along with that. And I are yeah. not the journal, the devotional. And devotional, it's yeah. really, it, that has been one of probably the most impactful prayer book I've read in a long time. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned that you take notes while watching NBA games. Did you, did you take any notes yesterday about a pick play for a, an alley-oop for the win? <laughs> I did. Uh, um, but uh, yes, but it helps to be able to grab the jersey, throw them into the guy, you know. And uh, But I'll tell you, uh, I, I did not well, – I admire most of all in that play was the pass by Crowder out of bounds. Yes. That, if yep. you were playing horse and you tried to make that pass 10 times – perfectly or you know whatever i mean if you're just in the backyard doing that you wouldn't be able to do it that perfectly uh, you know maybe one out of ten times and so um i always say that x's and o's are really easy away from the ball but who can pass it to make it all happen that's the that's the lost art in my opinion i think that also equates to just life you know we just hear when we read so many books and it can be even christian books but if we don't know how to apply them to our lives they're pointless yeah, it's sort of like faith without works is dead, right? Yeah, that's so, yeah, that's you know, true. I think that's that's very true. Yeah, so. um, I even I also watch sporting events with my journal on, and this year, I I decided I was gonna write down in my journal one question every day, just a question that pops up in my mind during the day. It could mm-hmm. be faith related, it could be job related, anything. And I have and I show it to a lot of people, but it's. On, on Super Bowl Sunday, the question was, how does Tom Brady do it? That's it. <laughs> That's the only question there. It's incredible. I <laughs> and know. sometimes they're very deep questions. Sometimes it's like, how, how is that possible? <laughs> well, that's pretty much like Jesus, right? I mean, he sometimes he had these deep, profound things. Yep. And sometimes it was, you know. Jesus wept or whatever, yep. but you know, um, but I think uh, I think that's that's pretty cool. I like that. Speaking of that, Tom Brady's niece plays on our football, our uh, softball team That's here right. in UCLA. And uh, he did uh, some Zooms with him and he works out here actually uh, in the summer sometimes, but uh, at UCLA, but man, he's incredible. So, yeah. but that's a pretty good question. How does it <laughs> you answer that, uh, make sure you uh, send the information my way. Yeah, sounds good. Um, all right, coach, let's go back now to a young Corey growing up in California. Mm-hmm. Um, if you had told her that now, you would be the UCLA head coach um, and finding success, um, mm-hmm. earning your position. Uh, what would she have said? Uh, 
who? That's what uh, I really never thought that I would become a college coach. It was not on my radar at that time. Um, you know, I grew up in Northern California. My dad was a, a high school teacher and a coach of mine growing up. I, uh, they also, I'm the only one um, in my family that didn't go on staff with an organization called Young Life. Um, so Young Life is a ministry uh, to unchurched junior, uh, junior high and high school kids predominantly. They do have other um, ministries as well, but that's the central part of their ministry. But honestly, I thought I would do something maybe in Young Life, maybe high school coaching or whatever else. So if you had told me that I would be uh, at UCLA coaching, that I would have been, you know, had the opportunity to be mentored by John Wooden, I would have just said you were absolutely crazy. And honestly, it's a, that's a great question for me to reflect on because in the heat of what we're doing right now and on the busyness, and I'll admit to you, even yesterday, I had sort of a, I'm not going to, I just had a, a, a frustrating day. And, uh, and what I, what I need to do is realize, okay, think about it. <laughs> I'm, what am I doing? What am I struggling with? Everyone's struggles and feelings are real and I'm not trying to deny those, but, um, but it's good for me to just pause and go, wow, if you had told my five-year-old, eight-year-old self that I would be doing this, I would have been ecstatic. So uh, thanks for the question and the perspective today, because honestly, I needed it. <laughs> well, you're welcome. Um, how did you start into basketball? Was basketball life from a very young age, or did you come later in life? Well, I would say sports were life. Um, okay. I actually was a better soccer player than I was a basketball player. Hey, me too. Early- I'm a better soccer player than tennis. Really? Yeah. What position in soccer did you play? I was a, I was more of a striker. I wasn't very uh, skilled with the ball, but I was, I had a killer instinct to just one, two touches. I can, I can put in the back of the net. That's awesome. Well, I was um, not as fast, but I was, I had the same sort of aggression level and I played striker as well. Um, but at that time there weren't as many scholarships for women in soccer. So there were probably three times the amount of scholarships available in basketball than in soccer. I actually thought I was going to go, I was pretty set just to go to Wheaton College, uh, Division III school outside of uh, Chicago, and and, and that would have been fine. My dad played football there. Um, My sister went to Westmont College, um, you know, Christian school in Santa Barbara. So you know, I, I sort of thought that was the path I was going down. And uh, one of my high school, the high school boys coach, who also was, we went to the same church and they, he lived three houses from me. He's like, Corey, you really need to go to this exposure camp. Um, it's called Blue Star. And I want you to go to this just for the weekend, just try it out, you know? And so um, he took me down there and uh, I went to the camp and evidently I did okay. I, I actually was not that heavily recruited out of high school, but I did well at that camp and I got offers from like Pepperdine and obviously UC Santa Barbara where I went and um, some of the schools on the, you know, on the West Coast, um, sort of the WCC level coach uh, programs. And, uh, you know, I obviously really fell in love with the philosophy of Mark French, who I played for at UC Santa Barbara and did that. And that was a really life changing experience for me. But I really never thought I, I really I didn't know that I was going to go down that path of basketball. I loved sports in general. I was the only girl in my neighborhood. And so whatever sport, you know, whether it was be football in the street on a Sunday afternoon after church or whatever it was. If I wanted to have any friends, I better get on board with the sports deal. So um, I sort of came by it naturally. And um, but I really do love all sports. In fact, I still sit on the bench 
with the UCLA women's soccer team. And, uh, <laughs> and I, Amanda Cromwell is a good friend of mine and she lets me sit on the bench and she says I can yell at the refs more than her. So that's why she keeps <laughs> me around. But, um, but I really love all sports. I, I'm just, a, I think it's just such an incredible opportunity to learn so much, to experience so much as within a, a team setting. And so I'm, I'm really just a sports fan at yeah. heart. Yeah. And how, how did you come into a relationship with Christ? Were, did you grow up in a Christian home? I did. So, yeah, you know, so my parents were on Young Life staff. That's how they met. And then um, it re they really, I was really lucky. They, um, they really did, uh, you know, live, live out their relationship with Jesus, uh, you know, as a lifestyle. Um, you know, we had, uh, we, actually, my older sister, we ended up adopting from our Young Life Club and needed a home. And, um, you know, we just, they, they were really unbelievable community builders and they, um, they went into the areas that other people didn't really want to go in. And, uh, and so that's honestly, it's just been a huge influence into my coaching is the way that my parents sort of lived out life um, in, in, in Christ. And so, um, yeah, I think I'm really lucky that way. But one of the downsides of growing up into a Christian home um, is you can learn really, really quickly what the right things to say are, check the boxes, you know, um, and do a lot of the right things, but not understand what it means to surrender, to be broken, to understand your need for Jesus, like how deeply, what am I, the depth of my depravity, so to speak. And I would say that I, I've known Christ from an early age. I've had a relationship with him, but in terms of um, starting um, a surrendered um you know, relationship with him. That really didn't start until my freshman year of college when I ruptured my Achilles tendon. Because up until that point, on the outside, I looked pretty good. Um, I could, you know, say all the right things. But internally, basketball was definitely, at that point in my life, my God. It's where I got the most of my identity from. And um, and I remember um, that I got a letter from someone that was sort of in my village growing up that helped raise me. And she wrote me a letter and said, sometimes when you're a real doer, that God allows you to come to the end of your rope so that your only choice is to let go and let him catch you. And so um, I would say that freshman year of college, after I ruptured my Achilles tendon, that I start a more um, surrendered, intimate personal relationship and journey with Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, how easy you think it is, you, you probably now it's a little easier in this today's society to make our sport God, even as coaches, right? But even for our young kids working now. I think it's really easy. I think it happens. I think it will happen, to be honest with you. It'll be at least an idol um, uh, and best case scenario. I still struggle with that. I think it's you know, uh, Andy Stanley says some tensions are meant to be managed. Some are meant to be solved. I think that's a tension that's meant to be managed. Right. Yeah. I think this side of heaven, we're probably not going to solve that. But like, what are those things that are taking the throne of our heart and of our lives that we don't even realize? And I think unless we actively set our minds otherwise, that's exactly what it'll become. Our yeah. sport will become our God, our identity, uh, our, our distraction, um, you know, where we, you know, it's, and it's, and I would say our, our money uh, is the other one, right? If I would say status um, and titles and then money. And I would actually add busyness, um, you know, that, that just, that is just can be for me, 
my, my life can get on such a treadmill that uh, I don't even realize it. But honestly, that pace of life almost becomes an idol too. It makes you feel important, you know, yeah. as, as silly as that sounds. Um, I know that's been a tension that I've had to manage in my own life. Yeah. And even I, this might sound odd, but as I was doing research on you, I Googled Corey Close and Google suggestions were Corey Close titles, Corey Close salary, nothing mm-hmm. like Corey Close personal story, you know, and, <laughs> and huh. I think it's, it's, you know, society just cares about those things that, that, you know, have no value, you know, have, you know, no uh, eternal value whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, but I'll tell you, I think it's tempting, right? For me as a believer, you know, just like Google says that it's easy yeah. for, for me in my own mind and heart to be like, oh, you know, let me define that by my, you know, status, my pay, my yeah. um, whatever titles, uh, wins. Um, you know, I think, I think that when God tells us to set our minds, I always tell our players, it, it's not mind hope. It's not mind maybe it's mindset. Like you've got to set it there and you can't carry it over to the next day. And so, um, but I think if if I don't do that, um, then I'll define my life just like Google. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so true. Um, During as after I got past the first page of Google, um, (laughs) I, 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 I looked at your bio and, and saw that, you know, before you were UCLA, you, you were Florida state right? Another big program, ACC. Um, my question is actually, how did, did you have any trouble transitioning from a big program in the East Coast now to a big program in the West Coast? How was that actual transition? Um, a lot of coaches in college and high school, they're so moving, so, so much moving around, right? Yeah. And if there was a, a transfer portal for coaches, it would be just as packed as the athlete transfer portal it's um, true, and how how did you did you struggle with that um how did you handle that move well I've actually moved less than most coaches um you know I've I was two years at UCLA nine years at uh UC Santa Barbara where I played seven at Florida State and now 10 here and actually in the coaching world <laughs> yeah. that's not as much it's not as uh, a lot not as much transferring as yeah. uh as a lot of other people but it's part of it is because I really uh, it just rips my heart out when I have to leave, like wherever I am, I'm just fully invested there and there's strengths to that, but there's also weaknesses to that. Um, but I, um, I, I remember coming here at the worst part I hate that I just hate. And now I'm going through it again after the pandemic and being online is finding a new church. I just, it just drives me bananas. So that's my least favorite thing about moving. Um, but I think that coming back to LA, you know, I had been at, even though I was at UC Santa Barbara, I'd been in Southern California for, you know, 15 years, really, when you talk about my playing career, UCLA, and then going back to UC Santa Barbara. So coming from Florida State to UCLA was not as hard as going from UC Santa Barbara to, to Tallahassee, Florida. Okay. Um, that one was just a... It, I loved it. It was great, but it was just such a lifestyle shift, you know, moving to the South and people think of Tallahassee and you think, Oh, that's like Miami. It's nothing like that. It's like South Georgia. And, and I absolutely loved it. Um, honestly, uh, Sue Simrau was really, um, the one who taught me what it looks like to be a Christian coach in this whole thing. And how do you do that? And, 
Um, and she, she just taught me so much. We could have a whole podcast on how all she taught me. So, um, but moving there culturally was a shift and it, it just was a lot. Um, but moving is hard for me. I think part of it too is I'm single. God hasn't brought me a husband yet. And so um, I think that trying to do really develop authentic community and what does that look like as a single person? How do you do it outside your job? Uh, what does that look to like to integrate? But also, I mean, it's just a lot. It's a lot to sort of sift through. So it's a pro it's a process I do not enjoy. Um, but I do think it's always good because it makes you sort of press the restart button and it says, OK, uh, does my life reflect my priorities? And now that I'm moving, what needs to shift? How do I need to, how do I need to make some changes there to do better on that front? So that, that's sort yeah. of what that. Well, is. that that's great. That's great. Thank you. I think, yeah, I think a lot of coaches struggle with that, right. And moving the family. And then I think the key is finding a church, right. And then yeah. building that community. And so, um, thank you for sharing. You've mentioned, um, the word broken a lot of times in that conversation. What, what does that mean to you? Um, and can you just ex expand, expound a little bit more on what it means to being a broken Christian? Well, I think, um, I think, you know, God is, it's just so contrary to where our society is and, you know, where our society wants to, show what we have out all together and in social media and in, in our all kinds of different ways. And, um, but I, I want to be a, I want to lead, I want to love and lead well. And I, I don't want to, I remember praying when I was at uh, Florida state, I asked God, give me a vision that um, for doing this co coaching thing, that if you don't show up, there's no chance it happens, you know? And, um, be, be careful what you pray for, because God has definitely done that. And it is really hard because yeah. when you try to do it in your own strength, it really falls apart because that's not how the vision was designed. The vision yeah. was designed for me to just be a conduit that it's not mine to love people that are different than me, that uh, disagree with me, um, to love and lead people really well and to, to execute this uncommon kingdom transformational vision that God gave me. But there's no chance it happens without God's um, sovereignty, his, his hand, uh, his, his, um, that he's in control and it's his and not mine. And, and believe me, sometimes I try to take it back, you know, and, um, and it doesn't work out very well. But I think the, the reality is for me, there's my life verse is that is 2 Corinthians um, 12, where it talks about when Paul asked um, God to remove the thorn from his side and three times he asked him and God says, God told Paul, no, for my grace is sufficient for you. And my power is made perfect in my week in your weakness. And then I love Paul's response. Then I will boast all the more of my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And so that's really what I want. And I get a little choked up about it because um, I fall short all the time. Sorry. No. Take your time. The reality is I am broken, period. And I need Jesus. And uh, I think um, um, I'm probably in the most challenging season of my leadership in uh in terms of the last couple of years and probably the next couple of years and so um and i think the reality is is that 
um, I, I, I need to just sit with him more and go, God, I just, I can't do this. I can't do this without you, but that's okay. And it's okay because I know that's where your power comes in and it rests on me. And I think the reality of, um, of, uh, the, the, of being a, this level coach and all that's going on is that, um, it's just so easy to try to substitute other things for Christ's power. Yeah. And, um, the re the, what I want is, but God moments in my coaching career. I want, but God, I want to look it up and go, man, you know, but God, that's it without him. That doesn't happen. And the reality of trying to, to live in that space is it's, uh, it's really hard. Um, yeah. and it's sometimes really lonely. Um, but it's, um, the only way to execute a vision that, May they see our good works, but praise our Father in heaven. And that's the only way to do it. Yeah, yeah. I, I talked to another coach that said, um, when I try, I fail. When I trust, uh, you know, God succeeds. Um, oh. And so um, it's, um, it's, yeah. it's a, and I think uh, it, it, it's true. A lot of the outside world looks at Christians and expects us to be perfect. And I think that's right. a lot of undue pressure um, on us. When the whole point we're Christians is that we understand that we are broken <laughs> and we need and we need Christ to save us. Yeah, well, and I think in this time, um, I'm really I'm more passionate about that than ever. Um, whether or not it's uh, coaching, you know, I'm a white leader and I coach a sport that's the most diverse sport in all of college athletics. And um, you know, what does it look like for me to be a white leader and to enter into that space and to understand better and, uh, and to just be, to have humility or what does it look like in the areas of, you know, um, you know, sexual identity? What does it look like in the areas of, you know, just status on wins and losses? I mean, name it. And, you know, that's where Jesus walked, right? He didn't walk. He didn't stay in the temple all the time. He didn't, he went into, he, he, he entered in. And I honestly think, the church is really failing in this right now, to be honest with you, that we don't know how to bridge and go, okay, I, Jesus didn't have, like, he had all the answers, but he didn't go in trying to, to give all the answers. He get, he went in to, to love, to listen, um, you know, look at how, how he handled the woman at the well, look at, um, you know, yes, he did, he was angry and he was holy and he turned over some tables and the, you know, yeah, all that. Yeah. But if you look at the, the context of his whole ministry, what did he do most often? He went into the, you know, with the, where the lepers at, no one else would touch them. He went and touched them whenever he, I mean, fill in the blanks. And I think in our society right now, the people are looking at the church and they're like, you're the dividers. You're more polarizing than anyone. Yeah. And and I think you can stand in obedience and holiness and still be a bridge builder and love people with intentionality right where they are, yeah. even if even if you disagree. Yeah. Well, Co Coach Close, thank you so much for, for sharing your story and being vulnerable and uh, taking yeah. the time to be here. Waking up early. Um, uh, I, appre I appreciate the, the willingness to, to, to record with us. How can we be praying for you? Mm. Uh, well, I, I think the reason I got emotional is that I, I'm really in a space where I just, I, I can't, I know I can't do it. There's just too much, it's too many plates spinning right now. 
And it's good stuff. I mean, I, I love my team. I love my staff. I love that I get to coach with USA Basketball. I love that I get a chance to lead in the space with the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. But right now I am spent. I'm really, I'm tired. And, uh, and I'm trying to do, um, it's a lot right now. And I'm not sure there's much I can say no to at the moment. But um, I know that God uh, is not going to give me more than I can, than I can bear. But having to be able to do it in, in Christ, in his strength, in a broken way that allows his power to rest on me. That would be my biggest prayer request. Sounds good. All right, let's pray. Dear Jesus, um, Lord, thank you that, that, that you've come to, um, to save us, Lord, that to, to, to show us what true love means and that you have mercy on us when we fall short day in and day out. Every, every single uh, day, Lord, we, we know we fall short and that's why we need you in our lives. Lord, thank you for Coach Close and all the stops that she's had and the impact she's had in the lives of young women through the, the game of basketball and through the relationships she's had with staffs all, all over. Lord, I pray that you you you, you ease her her burden right now, Lord. Um she she says she's tired and, and she she doesn't know where she can say no to, you know, in, in areas of her life. Lord, I pray that. You, you just give her guidance that she'll stay grounded on you, Lord. Um, we know that if she, if she chooses to trust in you, Lord, that, that, that guidance will come, Lord. So we, so we pray a circle around her today, Lord, and that, that you'll put people in her life that, that will help her through this decision making, that, that will help her get through this, this stage of life that we know, you know, life is cyclical and everything is seasons, uh, Lord, that, that you'll be be right next to her every step of the way. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen.